And now, God, open my mouth so that I can speak, open our ears so that we can hear and open our hearts so that we can change by your power and through your grace. Amen. Please be seated. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. We all know what it is, so it really doesn't make sense to avoid it. I find in these situations it's best to just confront things head on, no matter how difficult or complicated it might be. We might not really want to. In fact, many of us probably just want to skip right over it and pretend like it never happened and just go on the way we were before we heard it, but I don't think we can. If we're going to learn anything today, we have to put it right on the table, so here goes. Yes, Jesus just called a woman in our gospel reading a dog. Now, before you think I'm just trying to be scandalous, I want to ask you to reflect on that for a minute. Jesus, our Jesus, just called someone who came to him for help a dog. How can that be? And not only did Jesus call her a dog, but Mark is telling us about it. I mean, I really think that Mark may need to take some classes in PR if he thinks this is painting a great picture of Jesus. What's going on here? It feels like everything we think we know is upside down. And quite honestly, Jesus sounds like kind of a jerk. He doesn't sound like a calm, cool, collected Jesus I grew up seeing in pictures in my grandparents' houses. The one with a knowing expression, all pristine, radiating light and wisdom. You know the kind of image I'm talking about, right? The kind of image that's so clearly based in his divinity that you kind of get the sense that his feet never even touch the ground. That Jesus never poured his mother's cherished bottle of Chanel number no. 5 out onto his bedroom floor so it would smell better and then lied and said he had no idea how it, ha how it happened. I bet he never told his parents he hated them because they wouldn't let him go to an R-rated movie with the rest of his underage friends and he probably never responded to a homeless person asking for money by saying, go get a job. The Jesus in those pictures knows everything before it happens. That Jesus is never crabby or tired. He never makes a mistake. That Jesus goes to the cross and never blinks an eye or has a moment of fear. He has it all under control. That Jesus is perfect. And all of that makes me wonder. If Mark is giving us this really unfortunate view of Jesus, there must be something he wants us to see and understand about Jesus and about ourselves. But what? Well, if we look at the setting and what exactly is going on, we might find some answers. 
What we know is that Jesus has traveled a long distance, presumably to get away for some alone time, even from his disciples, since there's no mention of them in this passage. He goes into a house, hoping he can keep his whereabouts quiet, likely because the man just needed a break from all that's been going on. After all, he's been busy feeding and healing and helping the sick and afflicted and teaching at every turn. Not only that, he knows that those with the power have started to turn against him and is probably still dealing with being rejected by the people of his own hometown. To say he has a lot going on would be an understatement. So the Jesus we meet in today's gospel is not a perfect version of Jesus, perfectly groomed, soft-spoken, well-mannered, and serene. The Jesus we get today is tired, crabby, perhaps a bit anxious, and kind of wanting to shut the world out. And here comes this Syrophoenician woman, and she has other plans for him. How many of you have ever had a moment where you just needed to be left alone. Whatever was going on, you just needed not to be bothered, and someone comes along and just won't let you be, and you kind of snap. In the best of circumstances, we have our comp- controls in place, right? We think before we speak. We motivate with compassion. We make time for those around us that need us. But when things get tight, when we feel like, like our back may be against the wall or the water is too hot to handle, all of that goes out the window and we often respond with an unvarnished, unconsidered response that is usually way more about where we are than where the other person is. So here comes this interloper intruding on Jesus' time to recharge. And we must consider that this is not just any interloper. She's a woman and a Gentile. She persists in making her case to Jesus without any regard for his headspace, even if she knew or cared about it, because her daughter's life depends on it. And the response she gets from the man who socializes with tax collectors and prostitutes, the man who just defended his friends for eating with unclean hands, the man who heals and feeds, says, I'm not here for you. I don't give my stuff away to the dogs. Now, scholarship tells us that he's referring to his mission to to serve the chosen people of Israel, and we could stop here and start trying to explain or justify why Jesus calls her a dog so that we can stay safe in our image of Jesus' perfection. We could try to water this down to make it less shocking, but I don't think that's what Mark wants us to focus on. I say this because it's what happens next in this exchange that literally makes all the difference. This woman could have turned around and said, excuse me, did, 
did you just call me a dog? I'm pretty sure that's what I would have said and then promptly turned around and walked out and had a few choice words that I really shouldn't say in church for Jesus as I walked out. But she is not me. And in fact, in this moment, she seems to model more of Jesus than Jesus does. Her calm, heartfelt, and thought-provoking response reminds Jesus that even the dogs end up getting fed from the table. The table at which so much of Jesus' mission is realized. And with that, Jesus gets the proverbial slap in the face that he kind of deserves for his response. And her words serve as a wake-up call for us, too. What gets put front and center here is Jesus' humanity. And quite honestly, we don't really want to look at that very often. We're so accustomed to seeing Jesus as the great teacher who sees and knows all that we forget that even he could stand to learn a thing or two. This is the only time in all of Scripture that Jesus gets one-upped by someone. I don't think it's an accident that it's a woman. I don't think it's an accident that she's a Gentile. And I don't think it's an accident that the lesson she teaches is a critical reminder that nobody is outside the love of God or more entitled to God's compassion and healing than anyone else. The fact that Jesus needed to be reminded of this should not come as such a surprise. After all, who here hasn't had to be reminded at one point or another that our call as beloved children of God is to love one another? In fact, we seem to need to be reminded of that over and over and over again. So it seems reasonable to me that Jesus would need that too. You see, I think what Mark is trying to do here by giving us this story is to get us to look at Jesus' humanity so that by recognizing it in Him, we might also recognize it in ourselves. It's easy for us to justify being less than our best selves and being less honorable, less loving, less compassionate, less forgiving than Jesus by saying things like, well, I'm not Jesus. But the truth is, I am. And you are. We all are. And if we stop at the justification if we don't try to move beyond that, then we miss one of the most critical aspects of the Incarnation. God became manifest in human form and lived among us so that we would know that God knows the human condition from the inside, not just as some outside observer to model for us what it looks like to move from darkness to light, from avoidance to acceptance, from fear towards hope. Not how to start perfect and stay perfect. If we refuse to see that Jesus struggled, 
that he got it wrong sometimes, that he got angry or scared and had good and bad moments, or that sometimes what he needed more than anything else was for someone to teach him a lesson so that his eyes could be opened and his heart could change, then we risk robbing the incarnation of its power because we render Jesus unattainable. I think right now it's also helpful to remember that later in Mark's gospel account we will find a very human Jesus in Gethsemane, distressed and agitated, asking God to find another way to spare him the cross, if at all possible. And who can really blame him? Who would choose that? My friends, we have stepped into a wilderness time in the life of our community that we didn't choose. A time where many facets of the human experience are being brought to the surface and we are all experiencing a range of very human emotions. Today, our gospel calls us to see the humanity in those around us and to recognize it in ourselves as a means of loving our neighbor, extending a compassionate hand, showing up for the struggles of those around us, no matter what they are or who they're happening to. It's a call to open our eyes and our hearts to the fact that we all fall short sometimes and have the capacity to be less than perfect. We need to see that in ourselves and each other because not doing it only leads to separation. We may never know all of someone else's journey or why they do and say the things they do, but many of us know what it's like to be broken or scared or let down or hopeless. We may even think we know all the answers, but the truth is there's always something new for us to learn, and by being open to that, we may be able to find compassion for the struggle of others. So come to this table today with all of your humanity, whatever it looks like. Come knowing that everyone is welcome at this table. Those who get it right and those who falter, those who rejoice and those who grieve, those who are devout in their faith and those who doubt. Come and meet Jesus here. Come with your whole heart and trust in God who loves you beyond all measure to meet you here and feed you. And when you leave this table, take the mercy that's been shown to you and pay it forward to everyone who crosses your path. Everyone. That, my friends, that is life. That is love. That is how we will make it through the wilderness.